to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? And now, the special presentation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff, and we're back with part two of our Dawn of the Dead special. <laughs> and of course, I am joined once again by Patrick French. Pat, it's good to have you back. Hey, you don't mind that I'm eating on your podcast, do you, Jeff? Hell no. That's fine. I mean, it's it's not human flesh or anything like that. <laughs> oh, I mean, you could have at least gone with the theme. <laughs> I know, right? I should have said, <laughs> yeah, I'm eating on human flesh, right? Brains! Oh, wait, wrong, wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Return of the Living Dead, we could do sometime later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I have a lot of thoughts on that movie. Same. Especially, same. especially the first one. Genius. Genius film. Oh, yeah. But we are here today to talk about the 1978 George A. Romero opus. Yes. Dawn of the Dead. Magnum opus. A, a masterpiece, if you will. Oh, yeah. Like, really, honestly, the granddaddy of all modern, I mean, all modern zombie cinema this is it this yeah. is the source material i know you'll probably have some people who'd be like but what about that italian guy and that movie called zombie with an eye no dawn of the dead all day the father of modern zombie cinema is george a romero yes H- hands down and there are plenty like of people the- who will back that up oh yeah he's like the genghis khan of modern zombie cinema like like one in three zombie films made after dawn of the dead basically were george a romero's kids you know what i mean yeah wow and i mean even and since we mentioned it i mean return of the living dead owes a lot to romero i mean i think it was john russo who was with him on the original night of the living dead that actually had rights to the living dead name. So he went off and did return of the living dead. Now with Oh man, such a great cast. Like the comedic actors, the guy who was in um, the movie mannequin was in that film. Uh, we, I could go on and I love that movie. I love, <laughs> I love all of the tie-ins and all of the, all of the actors that got together for that film and where they popped up in pop culture later on in their careers. And you're just like, Oh yeah, that was that guy. Mm -hmm. And so many, you're like, (laughs) Oh wait, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite line is like, I'm going to go down there and bust it in his damn head. (laughs) (laughs) You think this is a costume? This is a way of life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Okay. Anyway, let's get back on. Anyway. (laughs) So Dawn of the Dead. And like I said, this is this is part two. And we're actually doing this in three parts. And it turned out, like I was telling you before we started our recording here, February is the month in which George Romero was born. He was born on February 4th. I recently found that out about mm-hmm. a little over a week ago. Was that making like, an Aquarius? I believe so. I'm not good with uh, birth signs. So I don't know off the top of my head. Aquarius. It is Aquarius. Leanne yeah. just confirmed from, from the back. <laughs> Woo! 
Well, more like the side, right, Jeff? Yeah, well, more like the side, but <laughs> she's one to give yeah. us uh, information if we need it. Lend her our expert. Lend her us. Lend us her expertise. Exactly. Gotcha. It, and it just kind of worked out. So I figured I wanted to do this as a special anyway because Dawn of the Dead is such a big film. We both have such love for it. So I think kind of putting it out as a tribute, not only to the movie, but to the man himself, George Romero, in honor of yeah. his birth month. So these will be released throughout February. For sure. Well, I mean, you know, when you think about Dawn of the Dead, I mean, segue here, it's like what he did on the budget that he had and the impact of this film, not just you know, in the sense of it being the progenitor of, of, I mean, I guess, yeah, in totality, the sense of it being the progenitor of all future zombie films. I mean, but just the fact that, you know, he was able to wrangle together this film on virtually what was a shoestring budget at the time, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and Day of the Dead too, again, wrangling together this the, uh, these films on shoestring budgets uh, and the fact that they still are so impactful, especially Dawn. I think Dawn, I mean, you know, we'll do our Day of the Dead breakdown, but, but oh, yeah. Dawn has like a, a meme, a meme and cultural cachet that I don't think any of his other films except maybe you know night of the living dead if you're a boomer um <laughs> but but for us yeah sorry but for us you know for us gen xers i think on and and you know older millennials i think there's something about dawn of the dead that that resonates and i think that there's something that resonates with the film because it is such uh it's such a play um you know, on on the modern urban fantasies that are the collapse of society, which becomes even more resonant as the years march on and as our society gets, you know, older. Um, mm -hmm. And and the idea of of, of consumerism and and mall culture that you know, even though it's it's all about Amazon now, that that idea of like well, I have all my stuff, all this stuff, you know, like it's the end of the world and, and who gives a shit because I'm in a mall with all this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think he saw that so clearly and so succinctly decades before that became, you know, a meme in a sense. I mean, I would argue that the Twilight Zone episode with Burgess Meredith crawling out of the, you know, all the time in the world, I believe, is the name of the episode. And I would argue that that, that episode with Burgess Meredith crawling out of the bank vault and being like, now I have all the time in the world, walking through the post-apocalyptic landscape, coming to the library, saying, now I have all the time in the world. Spoiler alert, he drops his glasses, they break, and the episode ends. I, I think that you could argue that that is sort of the progenitor of this, this end of the world. Now I have all the stuff, sort of modern urban fantasy in a way, I guess. Yeah. But, but 
but Dawn of the Dead, I think, distills that fantasy in a way that people who watch it are still affected by the horror of the situation and attracted to the idea of being locked in a place with all the stuff. Mm-hmm. If that there's that, and then yeah, it totally makes sense. There's that, and then there's a line spoken later in the film, and I mean, we'll touch on when we get there. Mm-hmm. But when they see them come, see the zombies coming to the mall, they say this place meant something to them. It was important. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. that right yeah. there is such a statement about just this, the idea of consumerism and just needing to get as much as you can. Yeah, like whoever yeah, has the most the stuff, stuff wins. It's yeah, like, and it's it's such a, you know, thinking about that comment and that specific line, and I think maybe I should save my exposition when we get there but just briefly like thinking about that is such a absurd sort of comment uttered by these characters in the film that translates so perfectly outside of the film and really speaks to you know where we're at as a society in in certainly the greater western culture but but most definitely in american culture uh you know, it still holds up, man. You know, like 40 years after the film, it still holds up. Yeah, the themes are very much, dare I say, timeless. I mean, yeah, is the look of it dated with the 70s style and the way the mall is set up? Of course. But, but not, at the same like, not time, a, it's not, in not a bad that way, far though. off. Yeah. And not in a bad way, though, Jeff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I think, I think that I think there's some nostalgia to that film, right? Because now you've got all these, and man, we're, we're, <laughs> we're painting some pretty broad strokes here, but now you've got all these urban X YouTube clips of people exploring dead malls and like really wanting to relive the nostalgia of, you know, the nineties and the eighties and, and the very, the early eighties and the very late seventies, like, like, there's so many people on YouTube now who are back into wood grain that I think is, can I, if I I'm going to curse. This is a gold star episode, everybody. I think is fucking hideous. Um, oh, yeah. But I still want it because it reminds me of a time, a bygone era, um, when all of that stuff was new. The nostalgia for that, I think, is, is just through the roof. Yeah, it definitely is. I don't know if you watch uh, Stranger Things on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, but for sure. Season three was basically centered around the new shopping mall that got opened. Yeah, like so. Yeah, the nostalgia is definitely I, there. I haven't seen the se- that season, but yeah, spoil spoil or I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm, I'm not giving spoil. anything away. It's very blatant <laughs> if you look at the trailers. Everything is talking yeah. about the mall and the arcade and the ice cream shop in there. So, hell yeah, doesn't give anything away about what happens that season. Hell yeah, man. I hope it happened in the Woolworth. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) I hope people are getting down in the aisles of Woolworth. (laughs) But yeah, no, I, you know, I think Romero, like kind of going back to what you're saying about it being Romero month. I think Romero was a, a real visionary. I mean, not to, not to mention you know, I mean, his characters definitely use some explicit language that, you know, people might 
people definitely should like the woolly character people should definitely find him offensive and wrong on every level um but you know i think i think romero was visionary in also casting you know um you know an african-american as as like like if you think about his his films um all three the 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 big three right night Mm -hmm. dawn day in the films a a woman protagonist an african-american man are the heroes of the film yeah i was actually thinking the exact same thing so we're on the same wavelength here yeah so i mean and and he and and i think you know i think that that woolly is definitely offensive and i i you know i condemn in the strongest term in the strongest terms his use of offensive and 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 hurtful racial slurs but i think that Romero and not but I think Romero was trying to illustrate a point in that character and in the fact that it's ironic that at the end of the world when human beings should be the most unified you still got this guy this racist asshole basically who is still can't let it go you know and I think that's a I think that's a huge message that that may be sort of overlooked by some people, but I think there's, I think there's a, a message there. And I think Romero was trying to telegraph a message to later generations to say, hey, listen, these people are gonna exist. Um, even in, in the worst situations, you're gonna have racist people who aren't gonna be able to let go of their little tiny, insignificant, disgusting hatreds long enough to band together to save the world, you know? And um, that's why I appreciate his, his characters being people of color, his heroes being people of color and being women, because, you know, it's like, he's trying to say, I think he was trying to say a long time ago that we all need to work together if we're gonna overcome something, a, a challenge as great as the end of the world and the zombie apocalypse, Right. if that makes sense. Makes total sense. That's exactly what I was thinking. And none of it felt gratuitous or stereotypical with the way they were acting. It was very much like, look, this is how some people are. And they can't get out of their small-minded view of the world long enough to realize there's a bigger picture here. And if we're all going to survive, we need to put this bullshit aside and actually work together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I, I really think that that when you when you think about where Romero came from and where he filmed, you know, in 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 the Midwest, I guess Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania is still considered the Midwest or the beginning of the Midwest. I don't know. But but in that area, you know, I mean, uh, that that probably was a would have been an unpopular viewpoint with a lot of people who live in that area then and still today so i mean you know oh, for sure definitely romero i think tried to use his platform to make a, a bigger comment uh, about society and about you know and the importance of of overcoming our 
our differences so that we could take on a crisis like, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Right. All while still having fun yeah. and, be, and, and having some, some lightheartedness thrown in just to break up those more dark nihilistic moments. For sure. Yeah. No, At we, least we'll in get Dawn. To that. Day, there's really yeah. no light. Yeah. Day moments. is, yeah. Day, day is pretty much just all bleak. Yeah. It, it's, I, I think Day is even more, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think people who might enjoy Dawn would be, will be, I should say, if they decide to watch the film, will be perhaps a bit put off by the, overwhelming sort of nihilism of of day um i mean there are some comedic comedic elements in day you know like the freaking zombie who you know is not the the unzombie you know uh, mm-hmm. one of the one of the major characters in the film um but i mean overall i think the film is really definitely bleak but the soundtrack oh god soundtrack's amazing oh definitely Man, that caribbean those that caribbean vibe it's like it's like drinking a zima on the beach and like <laughs> like you're at you're in a, like a nice resort in the dominican republic and you just like pop open your zima that's exactly what that soundtrack is like yeah i don't know what it is but he had a thing for getting the right music for the oh, films because yeah. even in dawn the music works even when it gets oh it's campy, so good yeah it it's just so good works i mean the gonk is iconic at this point yeah the goblin dario i mean you know i, I i'm not sure i i, I want to say that dario argento was kind of an influence on romero and um i know that goblin the 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 band that did a bunch of Argento films. Oh yeah. Scored them. Scored Dawn of the Dead. And um the guy who did the score for Day of the Dead definitely was listening to the score and must have been a big fan of Goblin. But I mean that that soundtrack for Day of the Dead, and I know we're going off topic here, is amazing. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I think uh Dario, I think, actually came on as a producer of Dawn. Oh, did it? Yeah, that's right. He yeah. does show up in the credits, doesn't he? And I think that came about because he wanted to make sure it got distribution over in Europe, which is why yeah. there's like three different cuts of the film. Because I think they got an X rating in Europe, right? I believe so. I'm not 100% certain, but I believe that was the case. Yeah, or in Italy or something like that. Something like that. I'm sure all their film export laws vary by country. Yeah. Which I'm thinking, have you seen some of the films that you guys have produced over there? <laughs> this is relatively tame. Yeah, like all of the early 60s soft porn masquerading as horror films. I mean, hey man, I'm I'm not complaining or anything, but you know. Hey, yeah. You, you'll, you'll get no complaints from me, but I'm like, really? Just a little hypocritical. I mean yeah <laughs> i mean some of those early giallo films i'm like these come off uh, a little rapey at times man oh dude way like who 
who is the guy? Oh, God, what was that? Who's the actor? It's not Pee Wee Herman. Who the hell was it? Is it Tiny Tim or somebody like that was in a Giallo film? He's like a weird looking guy. I can't. Anyway, whatever. I'm going off. I'm going way <laughs> off topic here. Yeah. Oh, it was freaking Richard Simmons. Really? Richard Simmons. Yeah. I. I. He, I, he was either in a Giallo, a Giallo film or like a Ferlangini or whatever that like Felangini, whatever that guy's name was. One of those Italian horror directors. He was Richard Simmons when he was really young was in one of those films. Wow. And yeah. He looked freaking weird. <laughs> I mean, I love Richard Simmons. Don't get me wrong, but man, he is a super weird looking dude. Anyway, we're going even way imagine, off topic. Cause in my head I had, you know, the more traditional look of Richard Simmons with the short shorts and the, the, yeah. the permed Swe- Afro look and all that. Sweating to the oldies, Richard Simmons. Yeah, and I'm like that. Him and a Giallo looking like that. I'm like, that's just really it's fucking weird. weird. <laughs> yeah, me that's for all. So, but that's all. That's for all of the, you know, Italian film aficionados of the '60s. You know, then go look for that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Dawn. We're here for Dawn. We're here for Dawn. And not that's not your daughter. That's just the name of the film. <laughs> Pat and Jeff are not here to take your daughter Dawn. We're here to discuss a movie. No, no. And we're not going to talk about Delta Dawn or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But so yeah, believe, no. If we want to uh, jump back into the movie here. Yeah, we were teasing it at the end of the episode last time and it was um like yeah again guys get your gold star caps on because uh the next (laughs) 10 minutes are going to be a a ride into the oblivion into the abyss here yeah we are definitely definitely going right into right into it child zombie murder exactly i mean i guess it's not it's not technically murder because they're already dead re-murder Re- <laughs> re-red rum oh man yeah yeah so, so we pick up at the abandoned airfield yeah where our where our protagonists have all decided to split the party like a bunch of dumbasses. it's it's the trope in every one of these horror movies we're like okay well we're gonna go this way you guys go over Jeff, here you never split a party i mean never it's in films and in dungeons and dragons you never split your party you never okay, split the you, party and you never go a, off by yourself yeah unless you're playing a rogue with a penchant for like horny murder you never <laughs> split the party okay just saying but yeah yeah so, so they do that they find this airfield. They need to fuel up the helicopter. Essentially, is why they've stopped there. Yeah. AK, a, a, a great excuse for some pretty cool gags. Yeah. Yeah. I will say. So we, so we have Roger <laughs> who stays back at the helicopter to get the fuel. Yeah, he's got to gas up the bird. Flyboy Steven and Francine <laughs> go off to do God knows what. 
stupidly run into a abandoned hangar in the dark. It's like, why? You have a way out. You don't need anything else. You have a fucking helicopter, dude. It's a helicopter. It's not a prop plane. What's he going to do? Like, ditch the helicopter and then fly a plane out of there? Like, that's stupid. Fly something less reliable? Yeah. This is why you don't get to be on the roof with the rifle, Flyboy. That's why Francine's got to do it. Yeah. Because you suck. And then, of Actually, course, we really, have... <laughs> go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to put it out there, Jeff. I really hate Steven's character. Oh, there I is really nothing, hate... nothing redeeming about his character whatsoever. He's a lousy lover. Uh, he might be abusive, maybe. We don't know. It's never explicitly stated but you know i feel like he's ready to slap francine at a moment's notice the implication Um, is definitely there yeah that that he beats her um you know i mean he doesn't he doesn't he's socially awkward we'll find out late in a later scene he doesn't know when to pop a question and when to just be like staying in his lane because you know it's the fucking zombie apocalypse um Sorry, I'm going to be doing a lot of room. Yeah, and I'm going to be doing a lot of cussing in this episode. I think that's that's fine. We're marked explicit for a reason, buddy. (laughs) All right, cool. Um, I mean, the first ten minutes, like the first the first (laughs) ten minutes of the of the you know the airport scene are going to be pretty explicit. But yeah, anyway. Then we have Peter who goes off into the office to check things out and get a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, from, from, you know, the movie moves at the speed of plot. Okay. I I get that. I get that, that they needed to fill the time, but, but the reasoning for leaving, for splitting the party in the midst of a zombie apocalypse, as you just flew over a hillbilly zombie shoot, um, feels like, man, this is a group of morons here, or just people who, don't get it yeah and i mean when from the standpoint of peter and roger you know the swat team guys they just cleared a freaking building you know what i mean like there's no way i'm going into the office or running over to the hangar with my oh yeah i can understand peter going into the office more so because it's not far from the helicopter as opposed to steven and francine just going well hey we'll be back in a few minutes we're gonna go wander around over here it's like Maybe you should stay near the bird in the dark air in the dark airport hangar that's presumably open on the other side that could be filled with zombies. And you were you have no weapon. Or wait, did he have a shot? Did he have that rifle? The 30 odd six? I think he runs off with the rifle. Yeah, I believe he did have it. Yeah. Which I mean. Fine, if you got a bayonet on the end of that thing, cool, you know, but <laughs> you're gonna blow out your eardrums if you shoot that off in a hanger, you know? <laughs> yeah, bolt action rifle. The, the next sequence of events, they all happen simultaneously, but they're they're shown separately, so you can kind of see what's happening to everyone at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm I'm derailing the uh the episode here. I, I'm so sorry, Jeff. I have so many thoughts on this particular this filler 
uh, sequence is what I, I like to call it. It's good, and there's some sweet gags, but I feel like this is just totally filler. But anyway, let's let's yeah. keep moving through. So let's let's just go ahead and talk about uh, the dynamic duo of Steve and Francine when they go off. Oh boy! They walk off to this hangar and immediately get confronted by a zombie that attacks yeah. Stephen. Yeah. Like, like, definitely this zombie in his former life listened to a lot of Dale Carnegie <laughs> and was definitely in, like, accounting, for sure. Like, 100%, I believe, that this zombie was in accounting. And his buddy zombie was definitely lost, listening to a lot of Leonard Skinner, you know, young guy, probably smoking a lot of pot, you know, probably oh, yeah. drove an IROC Z. He definitely thought of himself as a free bird. <laughs> yeah. You guys got to watch the movie if you really want to see what we're talking about. But yeah. So yeah, they, they wander off. <laughs> they check out the hangar. Nothing in the hangar. They wander off out into like an open area and then boom. Instant zombie time. Yeah. Basically, Steven just turns and it's, he's right there in his face. Yeah, and, and Steven has, like, a stroke and can't, like, just push the zombie off of him and get up and, he you know, rifle butt him. He is at everything except flying <laughs> the damn helicopter. <laughs> Literally, that's all he could do. Like, they have to fly him back home every night and drop him off on the roof of his apartment because this man can't do anything else. I mean, he tells Francine to run, and she's just kind of standing there in shock, like, what do I do? Which yeah, makes like sense. I, She's I, like frozen in fear. I'm like, I get it with her, but he should be able to do something. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, her character arc, yeah. I mean, she she goes from, I don't want to say like, an, uh, let's, let's say a, an ineffective participant in the zombie apocalypse to, you know, a relatively competent, you know, post-apocalyptic survivor. But like Stephen has no arc he's just flat the whole time i fly helicopter yeah yeah he has one skill that he brings to the table i mean hell he he was even he was even more skilled as a zombie he was a leader as a zombie yeah and we'll get we'll get to that but yeah no it's it's we'll we'll get there eventually i think that's actually going to come up (laughs) in the third part Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll see his transformation. But he ends up from like, a... <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite transformations. But you know, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, we're, let's not do that. And Stephen eventually, so, yeah. after flailing like an idiot, finds a hammer and is able to dispatch <laughs> a convenient a convenient plot. You know, a, a, a true, uh, what is it? Uh, deus ex machina. Exactly. Just exactly. a hammer right there, just ready to go. <laughs> so, like, you were lucky, because yeah. otherwise you would have just been eaten, and these guys wouldn't know how to fly that helicopter. I mean, but no, they would. he would have just, like, he would have just flailed around <laughs> with the zombie on the ground for, like, an hour until they came looking for him, and you know, shot it in the head. You know what I mean? Like he would have been laying, like just they would, 
they would have just <laughs> him they would have walked up and the zombie would have been laying there all gassed and steven would have been laying there all gassed and yeah after they're flailing around on the ground for four hours <laughs> essentially you could zombie take... would have been smoking a cigarette you could take all the moments in this movie of Steven up until um, he dies. We've already yep. said he becomes a zombie, so you know he dies. Oh, yeah. And put it together right. as like what not to do in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Oh, like, man. Here's like a what you reel? don't do. <laughs> yeah, like a, like a 30 second sizzle reel of Steven failing his way through his life. Yeah. Yeah. Got so it. we've established Stephen is inept and Francine is figuring it out. Figuring it out. Yeah. Meanwhile, Roger sealing the helicopter and Peter's inside yep. the office, just kind of checking things out, wanting a cup of coffee out of a machine that I was surprised was still working. I mean, can we can we comment on Roger? Like Roger spends this sequence um just kind of looking around with like a dopey look on his face. I mean, this man has experienced the horrors of the, you know, first week or what, what did we say it was like 48 hours supposedly between night and day and dawn. Yeah. It was maybe like days up to like maybe a week or two after the original yeah. night is what the, the official timeline is. So it's like everybody got amnesia when they landed on the, you know, at the airfield and, and Roger's just sitting there, you know, just like totally looking at his watch as his Apple watch and browsing the internet or doing whatever it is that he's doing lost in thought. Yeah. Um, no situational awareness, you know, he's I not mean, the same guy who was in that yeah. building. He's just like, I don't have to worry about a thing right now. I just got to fuel up the bird and you know, yeah, enjoy the scenery. It's like, uh, what could possibly dude, happen in the zombie apocalypse? Yeah, it's like yeah. you're not far from the redneck hillbilly zombie jamboree. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's exactly. going to be a few errant stragglers around there, and there are, as we've already discussed. I mean, I, like I said, this scene, I, I feel like this whole sequence is very inexplicable. And I, it almost feels like maybe Romero filmed this last to like, need some need 25 minutes of filler time i it, it just i don't know it just it just didn't i i don't know jeff i don't know how you feel on this is like one of the weaker scenes i feel i i mean the gags are great and the makeup is great but mm-hmm. in terms of plot i feel like this is a really weak uh sequence i think this is the weakest sequence which leads me to believe that you know as we know movies are all filmed out of sequence and this makes me feel like this was like one of those things they needed to film in order to get the movie up to a certain running time or you know i don't know right no telling i couldn't find anything on that i think the only thing it goes to establish is that steven no matter what is incapable of doing anything but flying the helicopter yeah. We're seeing Francine progress in her journey. Roger seems to not have a care in the world anymore because they're getting away from it all in his yeah. mind. The only one yeah. who seems like he might still be on his toes and kind of aware of his surroundings is Peter. 
Yeah, exactly. And and he's pretty consistent the whole film. I just feel like, man, if 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 that's the case, if if when they were scripting this thing out, Romero was like, okay, we need the scene in to sort of justify character arcs. I feel like, man, they took a lot of time and, and it probably cost them a lot of money. You know what I mean? I, I it just, it feels weird to me, but whatever. I'm, I'm splitting hairs on this one, but it does yeah. have some pretty awesome moments. It does. I think maybe the scene could have been stronger had Steven and Francine just kind of stayed around. And yeah. those two and Roger kept a lookout, maybe seeing if there was anyone coming and Peter could have said, I'm going to go check the office, see if there's anything in there we might be able to use and make sure yeah. it's clear of like, anything. Like, I th- and it think, yeah, I think it would have been a better. Sh- oh, sorry. sorry. No, yeah, no, I think it would have been stronger if, if, if Peter, if uh, Stephen and Francine were the ones gassing up the helicopter and Roger and Peter kind of went out to scout out, you know, like I, I think you could have seen some pretty cool stuff with those guys you know, doing actiony things or, you know, maybe, maybe they go out together. I don't know. I just, I just feel like, you know, I, I understand that you're trying to establish some character development, but it, it just felt kind of hokey. But anyway, I, yeah. I digress. Steven's thing is also, I think he's trying to prove himself to these two tough SWAT guys. It's like you're not yeah. on their level. Just like stop. I, I'm a, yeah. You're not stay in your lane. Yeah. It's like everyone gets an assignment in the apocalypse. Your job, fly the helicopter. Yeah, like being a, you know, we you're a man, Stephen. Yeah, we know you, you play tennis on the weekends, but you're not Peter and Roger, man. You're not out there in Wooly's unit seeing that crazy asshole do whatever it is that he did before the zombie apocalypse, you know, like serial killer or whatever he was doing. <laughs> yeah. SWAT team member slash serial killer. <laughs> it's like if i had a group of people and one of them was like hey i was in the military i was a trauma surgeon i know how to take care of any wounds we have i'm not gonna be like okay great your job is to cook (laughs) you do nothing but cook it's like no it's like if i'm gonna i'm not gonna hand you an assault rifle and be like sure be one of us now go nuts yeah exactly it's like, and I'm definitely not going to be like, well, all these guys are SWAT team members and like elite special forces guys. I know how to play D&D, so I'm going to go and find me some zombies to get in trouble. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. stay in your lane, know your role, gas up the damn helicopter. Don't get yourself in stupid situations. Right. <laughs> so but that's a here- theme. So here is, is my conundrum with moving forward with this scene. We have two things that happen. We have something mm-hmm. that happens at the helicopter, and we have something that happens with Peter inside the office. Mm-hmm. Should we leave the Peter part for the last bit to talk about and discuss what happens yeah. at the helicopter? Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, so while Roger is daydreaming... There's another zombie who starts to approach him. And I mean, let's talk about this zombie's appearance for a second. (laughs) (laughs) This this zombie has a curiously flat head. It's it's very much like the Frankenstein makeup (laughs) that Boris Karloff had. It's very similar to that. 
like all he was missing was like two bolts but yeah he he kind of <laughs> looks like imagine like a mitch headfield looking zombie in like a, a texas tuxedo like all denim or whatever it was he was wearing yeah he had a and, flannel uh, shirt <laughs> yeah and I mean, he was probably the sweetest looking zombie. Like, like he probably was like a really sweet guy in life, you know, and just, you know, tripped his way into the zombie apocalypse, which I, I, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'll let you take it away from here. What happens next? So he starts stumbling over to the helicopter. But by the way, I wasn't aware you could fuel a helicopter with it still running. <laughs> I would kind of think that would defeat the purpose, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, that's I that's probably something we should have done some research on, right? Is to see if that's actually a thing. Because I know when I pull into the gas station, there are there are very explicit warnings saying that you know fueling up your car while it's running could result in your death. Um so yeah. yeah. Uh, no joke, quick aside, I once pulled into a gas station, was gassing up my car, guy pulls up on a motorcycle, gets off, does not turn it off, and begins fueling his running motorcycle. <laughs> and all I could think of is, one, I'm like, you're going to be the idiot that blows us up. <laughs> and two, I'm like, you realize it's still burning gas while you're filling it. You're just wasting money. And gas, yeah, you're yeah, just, yeah, like, literally, you're you're wasting your money, yeah, exactly. You could have just more. handed me the money you wanted to throw away, and we could have been done with this. End of transaction. Where's Stephen with uh, his thirty odd six when you need him? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> so back on track, this zombie, and this is this is partially why I think Roger is so unaware because the sound of the bird going, yeah, he doesn't hear anything. So this zombie can't maneuver around boxes and starts to climb over these crates. <laughs> this, that's why I know this, the guy, that zombie was a super sweet, but maybe a uh, slow individual in life. You know what I mean? But the, the look on his face is like, he, he, he looked like a little baby, you know, he had, he had a baby man look on his face. Yeah. Despite the facial hair, he, he had like a, a very innocent look. <laughs> Like almost like a Dutch boy zombie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, if, I'll stop. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Roger sort of looks that direction and sees him coming. Yeah, yeah, and he gets his he is his instant thought is let me start shooting, uh, you know, around a, a fuel tank, you know, if while I'm fueling up a running helicopter. Yeah, but yeah, what which what we. <laughs> Wait, Go God ahead. damn it! No, well, let's let's talk about this, Jeff. So th- again, here's another here's another damn part of this scene. Why in the hell would they leave the stupid helicopter running when they just flew over the good old fashioned, you know, the 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 uh, Nashville zombie jamboree? Why would they leave the helicopter running, knowing that that's going to draw every goddamn zombie from like a mile around? Your guess is as good as mine because they're not exactly quiet. It's not a stealth helicopter. This is your 1970s standard issue, noisy as hell, traffic copter, basically. 
Yeah, designed to make as much noise as possible. And we've all heard them fly overhead, even when they're high up. You hear them coming from miles away. Yeah, yeah. So even they're if you're not sitting exactly there, you're going to hear quiet. those propellers going. So not only is it going to draw the zombies' attention, yeah. you could have drawn anyone else's attention who maybe wanted to take the bird. <laughs> it's really a dumb decision. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like a lose... It's a lose-lose scenario. Yeah, it's just so inexplicable. I don't know. Anyway, it's, like, yeah, it's this, only this it's only like, done for I what's love coming this up. Scene as a kid. Yeah, I love yeah. this. I love this scene as a kid, but like, it's just so. What were they thinking? <laughs> I just don't. I don't get it. What else? <laughs> So ultimately, it so was back left, to it, Jeff. Go ahead. It's left on. It's a, it's another Deus Ex Machina type of thing. Yeah, the, the helicopter just happened to still be running. This zombie gets onto a crate, and we just see slowly these helicopter blades just start slicing his head. Oh man, that was so down badass. to a certain point, and he just collapses. Yeah, like and kind of kind of comically collapses, but man. That it's, head slicing scene is money. It's so good. And the fact that they not only <laughs> animated in the helicopter blades after. Yeah. The effect, oh. the effect was done. And I've heard this several times. So, cause I'm, I'm that guy. I look in to see how things were done. They basically built up the appliance and layers on this guy's head. And I think it was either Savini or his uh, assistant. You know who his assistant him. was. You know, you know, it was was uh, uh, what's his name, Nicotero. Nicotero was there, but I th- it was either I think at this point it might have been uh, Tazo Stavrakis who was with them on this uh, on this day. Yeah. So yeah, because Nicotero guys. was in day, wasn't he? His second in day. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was one of the army guys in day, and he was also working on effects. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, sorry. So anyway, I, I, one I of them took essentially what was fishing line that was tied into these layers and just started running out in the field and it would pull off the layers the way yeah. they needed them to go in sequence to just go down. So as they animated the helicopter plates in, it would look like it was slicing his head. It's pretty fucking cool. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? That. It's an easy, it's I mean, I don't know if I could do it, but it's such a simple effect to pull off. Yeah. When you think about it, and it works. Yeah. It, Despite oh, the it fact was, that it, the guy's head is three feet high. Yeah, and <laughs> and flat as shit. But it's still, it's still, it, it's like, it still worked, and it was still convincing, and it's still like, it's still like, holy shit, you know, like it still is impactful, and when the blood starts just pouring out of the top of his head i mean it's just yeah yeah it's good even if you haven't seen the movie you've probably seen that scene yeah and if you haven't seen that if you haven't seen that scene or the movie go watch the damn movie already yeah if you don't know i mean if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it for one why yeah (laughs) and two uh you're gonna be spoiled (laughs) big time Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you listen to this and you haven't seen the movie, just yeah, go make a sandwich and put a chair in front of your bathroom mirror and just take a real long, hard look at yourself. Okay. (laughs) And then watch the movie and then be mad that we spoil it for you. (laughs) 
be mad at yourself for allowing yourself to yeah. be spoiled. <laughs> Turn all of your rage inward and not outward. And definitely don't email us. Okay. No, can, or Jeff. No. It's can, Jeff's podcast. I go ahead. I take you no can email me. I will I will take <laughs> I will take the brunt of your hate and I'll tell you exactly yeah. why you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff will not bug me with the, any hate mail no, at all. No. Yeah. I'll take it all. all Bring right. it on. so yeah so we got the we got the head chopper we got the head chopping helicopter uh score one that's exactly one kill for the helicopter one kill for the helicopter noise we should keep track of how many people or zombies the helicopter kills yeah because right now he's the only guy i think that's batting a thousand It's the only character in the film that has a perfect record at this point. <laughs> I think I think the helicopter killed more zombies than Steven kills with his rifle. So speaking of that, <laughs> shall we get to Peter and what happens to him inside this office? Oh yeah, this is this is it, guys. This is we've been building this up for what? To an hour and a half now? Yeah just about yeah yeah so so we got we got uh peter you know kind of poking his nose around the office looking for stuff i don't know what he's looking for but he's looking for stuff no telling maybe money who knows keys to something keys to something yeah uh coffee he might be looking for coffee a playboy we don't know a playboy (laughs) definitely gonna need some uh good old jo material in the zombie apocalypse <laughs> maybe he's looking for somebody's uh porn football that they have stashed in the office somewhere <laughs> but uh yeah no he he um he's quite disappointed it seems like in the scene and uh yeah you've got you know he's he's looking around and then he hears some rustling some curious rustling from a cat from a, a closet um that does not stop him from drinking his coffee no um not at all <laughs> nothing's gonna stop a, a, a SWAT team guy from drinking his coffee it's like after the day i've had i need this coffee like honey i need some donuts and i need some coffee <laughs> goddamn cop stereotypes <laughs> even in the zombie apocalypse uh but no i think the coffee thing happens uh, before he hears the curious rustling, I think the coffee is actually dispensing um, as the curious rustling begins from the closet. Right. Um, you know, Peter uh, predictably and and probably um, you know uh, understandably draws his his weapon, his M sixteen, as as you clip. should expect him to do. Yeah, and he just I mean he just he fucking lets it fly like he's at the he's at a at the Ruger promo, like he's just, you know, he's just letting it go. I think he puts a full mag into the, uh, or part of a, at least half a mag into the client. They're like five bullet holes in the scene. Yeah. puts like mm-hmm. half a mag, you know, center of mass, like, like he was trained to do. Um, and to no avail, <laughs> the curious wrestling <laughs> continues and, Peter is 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 understandably confused and, and curious as to what's happening, um, and 
man, much to his surprise and amazement and perhaps horror. I mean, I, I don't know how Peter uh, feels about kids. Um, maybe he had a couple, maybe he was just, you know, a bachelor in paradise, but uh, yeah, two kids in, in horrible, horrible seventies garb uh, burst out of the closet and rush our hero or anti-hero as we're going to see in a few short seconds. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they run at him and each one grabs an arm or wait, do both of them grab the same arm? I think they both grab the same arm and he's able to kind yeah. of throw them off to the and side. He, yeah. He, he, he lifts them up in an amazing feat of strength. Cause I mean, these aren't like two little babies. These are like, it's like two, seven or eight like, year old kids, Kevin Hart sized children, you know, and he, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, yeah, the, these are these aren't just McNuggets here. These are like almost like full grown kids, and he tosses them onto the couch casually, and he just unloads, man, just brrr, just full magazine. I mean, he yeah, literally unloads the rest of his clip into these zombies, uh, children zombies, and it it, it yeah. it's intense, dude. They and they land on a horrible couch. I mean that couch. If you grew up in the in the early '80s, or remember the early '80s, like I do, mm-hmm. that fucking couch was everywhere, man. Yeah, um, horrible yeah. orange couch, oh, scratchy, so bad. itchy, uncomfortable. Oh god, the kind of couch that would like it really was a torture implement if you had to spend the night over at somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just it was bad. That's why it was probably in the airport. It was probably in dumped in the airport and they just dragged it into the office uh but but yeah he wastes them and uh he starts to reload and that's when we see our iconic the most iconic zombie uh in the film right right i will say there is a brief second where peter's face was he kind of was like oh man i wish i didn't have to do that yeah those were kids and then it's like i gotta reload (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Fuck, I had to shoot some kids." All right, back to business. <laughs> yeah, it's he it's very much like, just... like, well, I guess I got to keep my emotions in check because the shit's going down. <laughs> but yeah, as you were saying, the most iconic zombie. No, no, I, I, I totally, I did totally kind of gloss over that. I mean, there is clearly a look of distress when he's unloading on those kids. You, you definitely know that that, you know. Peter is not excited about having to do this. And I think, I think from the standpoint of the, of the film and the standpoint of Peter's development, you know, this is one, this is yet another um, thing that I think prompts his, one of his last decisions in the film that he kind of reverses course on at the end of the film. But yeah, you can, you can see that, this was something that you know maybe he had done off camera and you know outside of the movie at some point or you know the reality i think of of how horrible the world is has become kind of hits home to him there you know right and i know ken forey the actor playing peter actually said that was his least favorite scene to film oh because of what it entailed having to dispatch of those two undead ankle biters. 
Yeah. <laughs> ah, they're more like elbow biters, I think. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. True. But I mean, yeah, you, you know, I think, I think, I think that scene, um, you know, I, I think it's so uncomfortable, right? It's like one of those scenes that's really uncomfortable to think about. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember being a kid watching it and being like, holy shit, like if I turn into a zombie, I'm going to get smoked, you know? And like, yeah. and I, I remember being like, like it, it created sort of an existential moment in my life. I, I distinctly remember that scene. And I think I make fun of it because, um, and I, I, I approach it lightheartedly because it is really bleak. It is a bleak moment in the film. And I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, later movies, well, like the walking dead, right. You know, like that, that scene with the little girls, right. You know, or try to integrate that horror into the story. And I think it's just one of those things that we can really sort of gloss over and not, um, have to face, you know, because I mean, yeah, in the zombie apocalypse, there are going to be a lot, you're going to be making that choice every single day, you know, right. and, and, and I think in a lot of cinema, you see kids, but heaven forbid, if, if that were a reality, you'd be seeing a lot of zombie kids, you know? Right. So, you know, it's, it's Hordes. kind of, I, I think it's, it's a very, it, it I took, yeah, I think I think Ken Faree probably is right, and and that definitely. If I were the actor having to be in that scene, I I, I don't know if I would enjoy filming that scene. I, nobody, I don't think nobody, I don't think anybody enjoyed filming that scene, yeah. except for maybe the kids. They probably had fun that day. They probably had fun. They got to play dress up and pretend to be zombies. Yeah, that was but fucking, I will say that was a fucking awesome day for those kids. <laughs> I will say they didn't show any of the impact of the yeah. bullets they showed yeah. peter shooting and then they showed the kids kind of just slumped on the couch. falling down yeah 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 so, so i mean it was tasteful exactly yeah it wasn't gratuitous right like the, right and the and the kid zombies weren't in like full appliances they were kind of slathered in the gray paint they got the gray paint treatment so it wasn't like like in the walking dead where that the half of that little girl's face is missing you know and and right. like i actually I, on a personal note, I actually recently watched that scene again, and it was really affecting for me personally because, you know, that little girl looks so much like my daughter, and right. um, and my daughter even has the same little, uh, you know, little slippers and little girls in like a, a, a um, like obviously she'd gotten out of bed when she got turned or whatever, and it's just like yeah, it's horrific. You know, and it yeah. really, it really, Darabont really drove the point home that this is the kind of everyday horror that you are going to deal with if you were to find yourself in an extreme situation like that. Right. And I think like Romero, Darabont wasn't gratuitous with that scene either. No, because it no. took it wasn't like Rick just pulled out his pistol and went, oh, got a dispatcher. You could yeah, see he, ran. he was like. I don't want to have to do this. Yeah. He's like, I, fuck this. Yeah. He yeah. ran. He like left. He only ultimately came to the decision to do it when it 
became like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna have to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost I mean, like I need to put her out of her ultimate misery here and not just let her keep wandering around. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, I remember watching Dawn of the Dead, and I think a really disturbing idea in my young brain was like, well, what the fuck happened to the parents? You know, did they turn, did, did the kids turn and they got in their plane and flew off, you know, and lock them in the closet because they couldn't put them, you know, they, you know, were they dying and the, and the parents locked them in this closet and then got in their plane or helicopter or paraglider or whatever, and, and flew off and just like left the kids there, you know, like, the the horror is sort of in the implication of what actually happened. I, and I you know I never even gave that thought, and now I'm like, oh shit, that it's fucked yeah. up. It's a fucked up thought. Like, you know, did they did they turn and then the parents like somehow baited them into the closet? Were one of the parents in the closet? You know, like dead and you know, or it's just a really it's it's definitely that scene is horrific because there are so many questions that I remember having as a kid. And, and even today I think about that scene and I'm just like, what's the backstory on these kids? Yeah. I didn't even give that a thought the many times I've watched this film and I'm like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? That's like an obvious question. That's right there. Oh, but it's, it's, it's fucked up. And, And I don't think a lot of people's brains want to go there, you know? So you instantly go to the comedy of it all, but, it, it's a really horrific scene. And, and I think that's what makes that particular part of, of that whole airplane sequence is compelling. Cause as Peter's reloading his rifle, you know, the freaking Hills have eyes zombies like right there. Yeah. You know, the, so, the iconic zombie that is on all the posters you've seen. Yep. I want to know if that is the actor, the same actor who was in the Hills Have Eyes. Because they look up that if it isn't, it's like his brother. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't do that deep of a dive because he could even be uncredited in this film because he's in it for such a short amount of time. Yeah, he's in it for like three minutes, literally. But yeah, this guy comes sauntering up to the office. <laughs> That's a good way of describing his walk. It is truly a saunter. And it's sort of he a was comedy walking. of... <laughs> he was strolling. He was like, he was walking up. That zombie was like, I got all the goddamn time in the world. I'm undead now. <laughs> I'm undead. This guy's got his back to me. Let's... <laughs> Yeah, it's good. When Peter turns around, he has to immediately dive to save his life because (laughs) dumbass Steven decides I'm going to shoot him and he can't hit the broadside of a barn from five feet away. Because fucking Flyboy's dump stat must have been shooting. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) man, he's working that bolt action on that rifle like a maniac. And I mean, we're not talking like the zombies like 50 yards away. We're talking the zombies like 10 feet away from him. Yeah, it's not that long of a distance. I mean, he could, you know, listen, I'll be real here, guys. I, You know, Jeff, I, I don't own a firearm. Same. I think the last time I discharged a firearm was 
years ago. So, I mean, I'd probably be shit with a 30 odd six to you because this thing's kicked like crazy. Um, but I mean, come on, dude. Come on, Pete. Come on, Steven. Run up there and knock him down. You, he knows Steven is in- intimately familiar with the limitations of a zombie on its back. I mean, mm-hmm. it just happened five minutes ago. Yeah. But instead, he decides to just open fire at point blank. I'm going to be the hero. Not <laughs> taking into account like he can't shoot and could ultimately kill Peter in the process. Yeah, there, there are a lot of sequences in this film where you're just like, wouldn't it just be easier to actually physically go remove, you know, the zombie from or off, you know, a person? could easily just run up behind grab him by his shirt and pull him backwards and knock him to the ground yeah or just yeah or just take your run up rifle butt the zombie in the back of the head get him on the ground and you know yeah and then an up close shot something or just curb stomp him yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it ultimately leads to roger having to save the day yeah with a pretty nice headshot yeah i mean roger was definitely competing with the helicopter for kills in that (laughs) i mean ultimately (laughs) ultimately peter takes i I guess i guess peter kind of got sort of one total kill if you add up the the two kids kids. together yeah he got like a kill so i mean (laughs) peter and roger and the helicopter are all like acing i guess technically steven got a got a kill too i mean it was kind of a cheesy kill you know because the the zombie the accountant zombie does get a a hammer to the back of the head but um and and he got a knockdown so i don't know i guess steven is technically the winner right in in that comedy of errors way that he has (laughs) on <laughs> the unintentional winner of the zombie kill competition at the airport <laughs> yeah but yeah no like you said good headshot yeah but what what i like is what happens after is peter kind of figures out what happens and immediately just oh puts steven in his place cheesed. he's yeah furious. he is pissed he's like knocks he like Peter, like Francine's like, what? What the hell is? What are you doing, Peter? And Stephen yeah, falls down, and then and Peter like, aims his gun at him, and he goes, "You better know yeah. what you're doing when you aim that at someone." And he's like, "Scary, <laughs> isn't it?" And he's like, literally, like the shot is great. It's it's from Stephen's sort of perspective, staring, you know, down the barrel of an M16 assault rifle. It's pretty With- intense. And the look on Peter's face is very much like, how do you, how does it feel? Yeah. Like and, and the look on his serious. face is like, yeah, he's ready to end him right there. Oh man. Legit ready to end him right, right there. It's a good scene. And it definitely, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's good because it establishes, establishes a short term dynamic in the moment but there's also this undercurrent i think that is there that's not that's not explicitly stated and i think it also kind of um is helpful for later scenes in the film 
where you see that dynamic change between Peter and Stephen. Right. Um, yeah, evolve. But but Stephen does remain. I think I think it kind of it, it shows you the difference between Peter and Stephen, right? Like uh, Peter is is more analytical. Peter is more methodical. Peter is a professional. Peter has situational awareness. I mean, I mean, Peter's the kind of dude that you want with you in the zombie apocalypse because right. he's he's checking out the angles and he's you know he's he's planning his next step before he even takes his next step and and he's the kind of guy that is dependable and solid and and a good guy um and i'm not saying that steven isn't a good guy but steven is way more emotional and and like prone to making you know split decisions that sometimes work out and sometimes don't and he's he's rash in his decisions (laughs) yeah yeah. Whereas Peter is very much calm and collected and sort of analyzing the situation at hand every yeah, step Peter's, of the way. Yeah, Peter's like one of those guys that I wish I, I I'm unfortunately I'm more like Steven. I think I'd be way more <laughs> like Steven in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, whereas Peter's one of those people that, you know, are sort of unflappable under pressure. You know, they could they could be on a, a rocket careening into the heart of the sun and still have the wherewithal to make, you know, rational, calm decisions where I'd be, you know, fucking screaming and pres- slamming on all the controls on the rocket, you know, like I'd be yeah. that we're gonna all going to die guy in the plane when we go through a little bit of turbulence, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I so. think I'm with you there. I think you and I would be exactly the same. Like, fuck it. I'm jumping out of the plane. <laughs> Yeah, which which kind of colors, I think, you know, it kind of it, it, I think I think it works and it makes, you know, something that uh, Peter says towards the end of the towards the end of the film and his actions towards the end of the film um, more understandable and less like, you know, he's jumping the shark. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like there's definitely a reason behind why he's thinking the way he's thinking when it gets to that. Yeah. Point. It's like, I, th- I really think that sequence kind of shows you the two sides of, of, of Peter is you see the side of him that is really world weary after a, a week in the zombie apocalypse. And then you see the second side of him that is still wants to be uh, of service and protecting people. You know what I mean? Right still have some sense of humanity and not just be like, well, we got to, you know, just go at it full bore. Like Steven. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, like, you know, I think maybe Steven, if Steven, if, if the, if the roles were reversed, man, maybe Steven shoots Peter in that situation. You know what I mean? Or if it were the walking dead, if it were the walking dead, Steven's definitely shooting Peter or the Peter, the Peter character doesn't exist in the walking dead um you know and 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 the equivalent character in the walking dead is just fucking shooting francine and peter because they're just they're just extra weight in the play you know i I mean they probably keep you know uh, peter probably keeps steven alive to be the fly boy but you know (laughs) i mean yeah so I, i that's what i like about dawn of the dead is that it's a hopeful film 
in that you know the characters because they could have you know george romero could have very easily played on a stereotype or a trope there and chose not to and chose instead to illustrate peter's character as a rational calm individual when it would have been so easy for him to play off of you know a racial trope or a character trope um you know and kind of even establishes that in that conversation uh that fran and peter have in the helicopter where you know she's like she's like i forgot how the sequence goes but basically he's asking him about uh oh she's like are you leaving anybody behind or or do you have any family and he's like yeah three brothers and she's like street brothers or real brothers and he's like he says both right but then he says you know one's locked up and the other one plays pro football and and i'm you know i'm a swat i'm a highly trained special operations guy you know like right you know what i'm saying like like there's a he could have he could have easily kind of played into a stereotype there if he wanted to and if he were a lesser director and 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 if he weren't so you know what do i want to say here i guess if he weren't so if he weren't trying to make a statement you know about people and humanity right if he wanted it to be more exploitative and go Mm. that that route exactly exactly and it wasn't it was very much francine asking a question and she was just curious she wasn't asking it to be rude it wasn't coming off as oh well you're black so you must mean like guys you hung out within the street smoking crack or something right yeah exactly exactly yeah you know like it's a really i I really i think i think that exchange is a really deep moment between those two characters you know because i think i think francine is genuinely trying to feel out you know peter and and have a moment with them human to human but not maybe not quite sure because maybe you know her character didn't know a lot of african-american individuals and doesn't want to stereotype them and you know peter's characters like kind of like you know recognizing that and saying yeah i left some friends behind and i have some literal family members that you know are gone you know or at least gone to him at that point so it's it's pretty cool moment yeah and i I think it shows where they start to kind of form their bond that strengthens throughout the rest of the film for sure. And another reason why another reason why I think that decision that, you know, you feel like, oh man, you're you're gonna make that decision, Peter. Um, another reason why I think he changes his mind and the ending of the film is is a lot different. Right. So yeah, so the the you know, Peter Peter's um trying to basically drive home a point to Steven. And that kind of wraps up that scene, right? Because I mean, Roger's like, Roger comes in, you know, does the head, does the headshot kind of is like, man, you should have seen what I saw sort of, you know, he kind of has that vibe of like, like, holy shit. (laughs) I saw a guy get his head chopped off, chopped up. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, he's totally like, you know, it kind of snaps him out of his fugue or whatever he's in. And 
it's like business time. I got to do some headshots here, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and the one thing I don't think we touched either is like, is Peter's character diving um, for cover when Flyboy starts just unloading yeah. into the, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, yeah, he had to like, hit the deck immediately because yeah. all of a sudden there's just rounds flying as he's trying to reload. And he's like, what? Basically, well, yeah. his, his reaction is, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the great, the great part of that scene is the zombie makes it all the way into the office and is like, literally steps away from Peter before Roger has to come in and, and you know, headshot him. And there's that, that great sort of moment where the zombie, you hear the, you hear the, zo- the bullet hit the zombie and then the zombie's head and then the um the sound effects like the foley in that scene is really cool because the zombie's head hits the table you know and and you kind right. of it almost sounds like the zombie is screaming you know it's like this really weird <coughs> uh, really weird yet really interesting sound yeah it definitely is i mean the foley work in that is is really good just putting all those sounds together to create that Oof. yeah it was it was fucking badass yeah <laughs> but yeah no it's it that you know they're like i said the 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 reason for the scene existing seems a little thin although romero does i think ma- he, you know he's a master filmmaker so I, I think he knows what he's doing there i'm not gonna second guess him you know r.i.p but um uh the you know the gags and the the technical aspects of the filmmaking are freaking strong as hell you know i mean very much so tom savini you know just proving once again why he's the greatest why he's sex machine <laughs> <laughs> with a crotch pistol oh man <laughs> spoiler alert uh but yeah <laughs> you haven't so seen that, from that, dust till dawn then fuck you no i'm just kidding <laughs> which which the guy he he showed his his cock gun to was greg nicotero and from dusk oh, was it, oh, it was, it was. <laughs> oh man little known fact tom zavini was the creep from creep show he did all the he was he was the actor playing the creep at the end of creep show too where he's tossing yes. the creep show comics out of the back of that that uh deuce and a half or whatever it was that he was driving mm-hmm. but yeah yeah I found so that, that out <laughs> it was not long ago cool. and i was like well shit i had no idea yeah neither did i um yeah but th- i mean that pretty much wraps the the airport scene i know we spent like how long would we spend like an hour and a half or almost two hours talking about that scene i think so but i think it warrants it because there's there's a, a really a lot that goes on in such a short scene. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it's impactful with Peter having to dispatch of those children. I think that. Yeah. I mean, the rest of this I, here. Is and I thought I would. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought I would be more lighthearted about it, but, but I, I suddenly took a very dark turn um, and, and, you know, I mean, l- let's put it this way. Uh, you know, um, spoiler alert: I have kids or a child, and when I was younger, uh, you know, and and by that I mean, 
all my years prior to me being 42, all my years prior to 2017, younger, um, <laughs> relatively, uh, you know, that scene didn't really, didn't really bug me or, or I, I mean, I don't want to say that it, it wasn't, it didn't resonate with me as hard as it, or as, as strongly as it resonates with me um, as a dad now. And, and that's true of a lot of scenes in a lot of movies where I'm like, all of a sudden I'm crying like, shit, man. I was crying during, um, God, what was the Disney cartoon that like during Moana or during, you know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here bawling cause I'm just like, oh man, she, she needs to have a relationship with her dad. It's so important, you know? And um, yeah, it's just like, it's like a lot of those scenes that I was very flippant about, you know, prior that I didn't think too deeply about definitely resonate more strongly with me now. And, and certainly that scene I think is, is really, uh, is a really interesting sequence, specifically the Peter and the, and the kid zombies is a really interesting sequence because of the implications that Romero never really gets into, but you know, he put that in there and, and maybe he was hoping somebody might've thought about that. And, and if you're watching that film and you you have that in your, the back of your head, it's like, man, this, that's sad. That is so sad. And, and it's right. like a theme in his movies, right? Like it's definitely, you know, in night, there was the dynamic between the mom and the daughter who's dying mm-hmm. and then eventually turns into a zombie. And in, in, you know, Dawn, there's the kids there where he kind of briefly touches on it and, and the dynamic with Francine being pregnant and in day, I mean, it's just, everybody's you know the world is just gone you know so like there's the horror of that um you know and 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 maybe maybe the scene with the fetus in the jar you know maybe dr frankenstein's sort of experimentations maybe loosely might touch on that you know like the idea of of playing god or creating unlife as it were you know definitely Um, but definitely. yeah, that theme kind of, I think, resonates in his films. And I it definitely, he sets it up for sure. Oh, yeah. And even myself, like, I don't have any children, but I have young cousins mm-hmm. and, and nieces and nephews. And I mean, not yeah, by blood, but, you know, yeah, they're yeah. my nieces and nephews. I'm close with. You know, I've been friends with their parents for so long. They're, they're yeah, family. they call you Uncle Jeff. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do see it differently, that scene. Yeah, for sure. But there is still a part of me where if I'm watching a movie and the director goes, no, we're actually going to, you know, harm this child. There are times where I go, I give them credit for doing it because there's still a lot of filmmakers out there who are like, children and animals are sacred. You don't touch them. Yeah. And if it's done well enough, it gives that like gut punch kind of like, ooh, and I'm like, I commend him for going there. But damn, that was hard to watch. That was really just awful. Well, I think the beauty of Romero in that scene is that he doesn't beat you over the head with it. It's just, it's a thing that happens. And he's like, here it is. And then it's, it's sort of the responsibility of the audience to really... Mm-hmm think but he's definitely giving you hints he's definitely saying look at peter's face when he's having to dispatch these these 
you know, these things that were children, like he's not having a good time, you know? And like you said, he even takes a moment where he's just, after he's done shooting, there's like that, that pause. And you can really tell that he's like, fuck this, you know, like that's, that's the attitude there. So I, I definitely think that scene is very skillfully executed, you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, and like you're saying, yeah, kudos to people who are willing to go there. Like, you know, the walking dead with the governor um, and his daughter, you know, mm-hmm. like um, and many points in the walking dead series. I mean, they, they're willing to go there, but, but that scene doesn't feel exploitive. Whereas in some of maybe the other films, you know, like, especially with the remake of dawn of the dead with Mackay Pfeiffer's whole baby scene like you're trying to kill my family like yeah. that that feels really exploitive as opposed to it's horrible right it's fucking horrible because you know Mackay Pfeiffer's zombie wife gives birth and you know holy shit but it you know that is a setup right like that's right. a that's a scene that's designed to make you feel a certain way and I, it, you know, the scene in Dawn of the original, the OG Dawn of the Dead, it feels like George Romero set it up, but it, it didn't feel, it, it almost, it, it felt like, like, whereas that scene in the remake is more like a karate punch, you know, mm-hmm. the scene in the OG Dawn of the Dead is more like a judo throw, you know, he just kind of right. creates that emotional inertia and shows you the reaction of the character, but doesn't get gratuitous, you know, with the actual scene itself. But like, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's you, you as the audience are like, oh man, now I got to think about this and I got to live with this. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. I think ultimately it's, the it's, last, the last thing I want to say, kind of comparing those two things you brought up was I feel that scene in Dawn of the Dead and maybe by design, maybe not, maybe it's what I'm taking away. I think it sort of speaks to like, these were, these were once the epitome of innocence, these children, and that's gone now. There's no more innocence in the world. Whereas in the remake, it was for shock's sake. Mm -hmm. She gave birth to a zombie baby. What's going to happen? Oh Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like zombies giving birth to zombie babies. Mm-hmm. and then followed and by a like slow-mo a, shootout and that's a weird yeah exactly fucking Zack snyder but man is that like a weird thing Zack snyder like that dude has a fascination with zombies giving birth because in the in what in that city of the dead or whatever that that Ar- movie Army was he released dead. yeah the same the whole movie is built around that premise yeah or at least half of the movies built around that premise like zombies reproducing it's like why is what this the... something you're hung up on man is this like are, do you just want an excuse to make a film about necrophilia <laughs> oh god oh man i think we got another roman polanski like zombie Oof. grossness happening yeah Oof. like man i don't know about Zack snyder it's making me question him as a human and as a filmmaker all i know is i still refuse to watch the snyder cut of justice league one one time through that film was enough for me yeah i know i made a horrible joke about roman polanski jesus what's the matter with me 
Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Polanski's a piece but, of shit. I can separate yeah. his, his art from him. Him as a person is a piece of shit. Garbage. But yeah. I've seen a couple of his films and I'm like, he is someone who can make a good film. He's just I wanna... an utter fucking asshole and a prick and a rapist. I want to see I want to see a zombie film where they get Roman Polanski and like <laughs> hang him over like a, a pit of zombies and they just slowly like gnaw on his feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> like literally a, an actor portraying Roman Polanski gnawed on by a zombie horde, you know, just suspended just above their heads. That and then later on, you have somebody reference it back and go, well, should we Polanski him or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh. The, old, the old Polanski. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Fuck Roman Polanski. But anyway, sorry, I, I digress again. But yeah, no, I think I think you're exactly right. Snyder, Snyder uses that scene for shock value and then, like you said, follows up with a slow-mo shootout um, and you know what's sad is that I think Dawn of the Dead was probably Polanski or Polanski. Jesus, <laughs> Dawn of the Dead was probably <laughs> Snyder's best film. Um, that remake, yeah. Uh, but but you know Romero's a master and and Snyder's a hack, and um, you know you can see the difference there because yeah, Snyder is is nowhere near the level of Romero. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean that that's that scene. You're right, Jeff. I, I think there's a there was a lot to unpack, and I, I really feel like that's sort of the last stop, um, from the standpoint of the structure of the film, um, like like that's sort of the last stop. That's the last little vision of the world that the audience is going to get because until the very end of the film where you have, you know, like a two minute vision of the world outside the mall, because now we are definitely going hard. This is going to sound bad. We're definitely going hard (laughs) into the mall. You know what I mean? Like we're going, we're, that's where, that's where we're going to live now. Yeah. This is after this confrontation and everything, this is where they head off and they find the mall. Yeah, and it's it's fucking spam and bourbon for the first oh, night. Man. Yeah, you know, should um, you know? I mean, let you want to talk about the initial scene, and then maybe we can save the the rest of the mall for the third episode. Yeah, I think because we we had so much to unpack at the airfield, which I didn't think we were going to get to, because I'm looking at my notes, and it's a brief paragraph and a half about the airfield. <laughs> And then uh-huh. the mall is like three pages. And I'm like, we did three yeah. pages worth of discussion on that airfield. Well, I think we freelanced a little bit on the, or, or, or free, uh, oh, yeah. freestyled a little bit there with the airfield because yeah, there, there is a lot to talk about. And, and I, I think, I think the airfield, as much as I feel like it's filler in a lot of ways, I think that um, it also has some, some major there, there are, you know, that's kind of like the pivot point, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? From the, from the, from the, from the point, from the, uh, <coughs> pardon me, from the perspective of the story, we pivot from the world, right? Like 
like the the police dock, the 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 uh, apartments, the uh, W gone TV station, mm-hmm. the airfield. We pivot from the in in the great uh, uh, Nashville, you know, zombie shootout to <laughs> you know the mall, and that's that's where they're at. You know, that's that when they're flying in to the mall, you know, when they're flying that scene where they're flying up, where they show you all the B-roll of the mall, um, you know, mm-hmm. they're all kind of like, what the hell is this? And Which it's Roger that ultimately says, oh, it's one of those fancy indoor shopping centers, a mall. Yeah. <laughs> Which just blows my mind to hear that. Yeah. I'm like, but they're so com- they were so commonplace at one point, but then it was still fairly new yeah yeah isn't that mind-blowing to think that in 1978 which i guess you know if you're 20 1978 feels like a long ass time ago but when you're 47 1978 i mean i was three years old then um so i mean there's a chance baby pat showed up in one of those things when they're brand spanking new yeah. sure my mom got my horrible 70s outfit when i was three years old <laughs> from one of those malls but my dad, my, my, me and my dad had a matching, just awful, the awful butterfly collars and the awful <laughs> bell bottoms. Right. Like a, I look like a, like a pimp. Like she dressed me up like I look like a goddamn. Surprised <laughs> she didn't put the little baby platform shoes on me with the aquariums yeah. on the bottom. Yeah. And I know um, I was born in 79. So the malls still weren't quite that big yet but i know i spent oh, a baby, lot of time as baby kids. jeff was in there hell oh, yeah. yeah dude your mom carried you into one of those things. oh yeah yeah but um yeah no it's it's like it's like it's just mind-blowing to me to think ah, man that was that place was brand new and when you look if you look really closely this is one of the things that always stood out in my brain right mm-hmm. was when you look at the mall when they're doing the flyover of the parking lot you can see all of the oil that has leaked out of all of those cars. Like it is so in all those parking spaces, every single parking space is just absolutely stained black mm-hmm. with oil. And you're just like, yeah, it just, it's so weird to me. I'm like, God, it seems like that place has been there forever, you know? Yeah. But, oh man, it's a trip, but yeah, they fly over and, the B-rolls rolling. And they decide to, I don't remember which one of them says it. I think they all just kind of agree they should check it out to see if maybe it's a place worth <laughs> staying at. <laughs> like they've never been there. They're like, yeah, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. If it were you and me and Leanne and, and my family in that helicopter, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd be flying like, we'd be flying over that place and we'd be like, hell yeah, the mall, baby. Hell yeah. I'd be like, look, we can, we can seal it up and we can be fine. Yeah. Amazon's <laughs> gone. Who gives a shit? We got a mall. <laughs> got everything we need. Except they don't sell like, like back in the seventies when they have like everything, you had like a restaurant, you had restaurants, you had a freaking Sears that had like everything you could imagine. Even like, uh, uh, freaking meats and cheese section in the Sears, along with like power tools and yeah, JD and man, they had everything there. A fucking arcade and a Woolworths. You had a Woolworths. Do you go downstairs mm-hmm. into Woolworths and you get oh, toilet man. paper? 
yeah essential for for uh fortress survival i have i have seen them all by us and i know we're kind of you know sidetracking a little bit but i th- i think it warrants it because we yeah. grew up in the era of the mall being so popular i've seen the local mall by me go through so many transformations yeah because at one point sears was the biggest store that was there followed by yep. fedco that was the other store on the other end oh, of the mall man there were two big oh, stores whoa. on either end of the mall and jeff then inside, we're losing Oh my We're God. losing the younger crowd. Fedco, <laughs> they'll never know what a Fedco is. Uh, like, Fedco was basically dude. like, think of it like this, kids. It was basically like Walmart, but it was clean. <laughs> I feel like it was like a slightly less attractive version of a Target. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was like it would. It would be the thing in between a Target. And a Walmart where like you'd want to get a Sony TV, but instead you'd get like a Sanyo TV would be their top of the line. Right, right. You know and what I, I mean? Think, it was just and I think Fedco evolved from May Company. Okay, we're getting really into some deep shit here. Yeah, we're freestyling <laughs> now, kids. But yeah, I remember I remember it vividly because you would go into Sears and there would be the clothes, and then you'd have the electronics, the tools, mm-hmm. the toy section. And then on the other side of the mall, after you walked by, you know, like the Foot Locker and the Aladdin's Castle Arcade. Aladdin's Castle. And whatever else they had, the food court and whatever. There was always weird stores in the malls, too. Like there was there was one store I remember. It was downstairs next to this is really date. This you're gonna get a kick out of this. A B. Dalton bookseller. Yeah, man, I love Beatles. That sold nothing but swords and knives. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, you mean the knife shop in the mall? Yeah. Yeah, that was a quintessential. That was like a, that every mall had a knife, like yeah. yeah, knives of all sorts and swords. And it was normal. I was like, oh yeah, that's the knife place. And when you tell people they're yeah. like, wait, there was a place that just had knife. I'm like, yeah, and they were up on the wall. You could ask to see one. Yeah, the guy the guy that worked there was the dude who drove a, a Mustang and had a ponytail <laughs> and rocked a leather duster. My God, and, I think it was the same guy running every store. <laughs> and he had like he had like a, a strap where you could put his fucking katana and Tommy gun underneath his duster, so he'd be ready to take on the vampires. Yeah, it was it was so crazy, and yeah, I remember. No, it, going into Fedco because Fedco was basically like, there was one section that was just groceries. Yep. And then you go to another part that was like electronics. And then there was some clothes and then like God, home Jeff, goods. This is, this is such intense listening for people who oh, just man. don't give a shit about what, <laughs> you know what? I don't care. I don't care. They're this far <laughs> in. They're going to listen. You're going to listen. You're going to be in our mall with us. Ultimately, what we're saying is we're old and we have nostalgia for the old shopping malls. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be here with us. God damn it. We're going to lock you in. We're going to block all the exits with trucks. You're going to be here. This is where you're. This is where you live. You live in the the early 80s mall of our youth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way, dude. But seriously, let's be real here for a moment. Real talk. You did not want to hang around the arcade if you were flying solo 
and you were under the age of say like 10 because the fucking arcade was filled with Roman Polanski's in Oceanside when I was growing up. See, we didn't filled have that. Them. The arcade oh, here, God. my parents would basically give us each like five bucks and go, we're going to be across the way at this store. Go hang out yeah. in the arcade. We'll come get you. And I don't remember the most there uncom- being any adults in there. <laughs> Dude, the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever had in an arcade when I was like 12. And I was like, you know, I, I was a big kid. Like at 12 years old, I was pretty much man-sized mm-hmm. but you know the most intensely uncomfortable feelings i've ever had is when i'd be playing you know galaga or whatever hell game it was i can't even remember the awesome game of the mid 80s like 1942 1943 maybe right. like dragons La- dragon slayer uh or yeah i think it was dragon slayer anyway those games and operation wolf although i think that's more like a 90s game but like some dude would be right behind you. Remember the old school way of signaling that you were next by putting the quarter on the. Yep. And man, I, I had too many, I, you know, I had too many uncomfortable moments where like just some 30 year old dude would be glowering over my shoulder. And I'm just like, man, you're way too close to be like making this comfortable. And maybe that was their way of like, you know, getting me to trip up in game so that they could play the game but yeah it was it was creepy af man yeah we i never had that experience it was just oh i remember there being super. kids and like the only adult was the person working the arcade and oh hell no that hell person no. just seemed like they didn't give a flying fuck about anything. oh yeah they don't care what happened in the bathrooms at the arcade they were just like whatevs man like, i do remember to make sure the shit works and to close down when it's done I remember my local game, my local game worker was this big Samoan dude, man. He was huge and uh, he could care less what was happening. And yeah, but anyway, super, the kids will never know the, uh, the dangers, the perils and the joy of, of public arcade gaming back Mm -hmm. in the day. But yeah, no. Yeah, they hit up one of those old school malls. They fly over it. They see the dirty ass parking lot. Dirty parking lot with zombies just milling about. Yeah, walking over walking over signs and stuff, tripping over signs, tearing up the sign, <laughs> tearing up the signage in the parking lot. God damn it! Oh, man. goddamn zombies tearing it. <laughs> goddamn zombies tearing shit up. <laughs> Oh man, having a five-year-old is kind of like having a zombie living in your house. <laughs> Just tearing shit up all the time. Oh man. Oh, yeah, because you, you know, you're always gonna have that conversation with your zombie about like, all right, make sure you put the toilet paper in the toilet bowl and not just leave it on the ground when you walk away. I think everybody has <laughs> please don't just that... stick it to the wall. <laughs> yeah, come on, zombie. <laughs> Come on, my little zombie. But yeah, no, they they definitely, you know, there's definitely that. And and the 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 change from Romero's B-roll of the of the mall, you know, because you know they got that same helicopter and probably did a flyover with the uh cameras running. Um, right. Because it definitely wasn't a steady cam shot. It's definitely two different shots, but you have the 
you have the flyover sort of scene and then you have the sort of look over scene or or they're on a on a lift or a dolly or something and they're kind of rolling over a small section of the parking lot to show the zombies sort of streaming in you know like it's definitely a stark contrast the two the two the, the way the film looks is is kind of funny right but yeah yeah and then they land on the roof they land on the roof scene. and decide They're they like, should Roger and Peter I believe are the ones that make the call that they should go check it out to see if it's yeah oh yeah they get safe. down yeah yeah they get down in there and yeah they they like break a window and Steven's all bent out of shape because you know which <laughs> I think show. you know I, I think that's like I think that that's a legit reaction I think that's like the realist that's a real part of the movie, right? Like, like you're on top of the mall, you're trying to find a way in. Steven sees the latch, you know, and it's a weird shaped window. So, you know, if you break that son of a bitch, you're not just going to be able to fly out and go get a new one and install it. Right. And freaking, and freaking uh, Peter just like rifle butts the window. Yeah. Why? (laughs) I think he's like we don't have time to worry about latches yeah i just i just fucking shot two kids at an airport latches. eight hours ago we don't use no stinking latches <laughs> i just <laughs> murdered two children's zombies and you are and you're sitting here crying you like like think about the sequence of events leading up to that scene and steven is pissed about the windows although i'm not going to fault them because it's exactly how i'd react mm-hmm yeah, I'd be pissed. Be like, dude, we could have just opened it. There's a latch right there. What WTF, man? What the fuck? But yeah, no, they they get in, they drop into the room. I mean, it's a sweet setup. Like if if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna land in the midst of the zombie apocalypse, like this is where you want to land. They basically end up in like a storeroom, which looks like. It's almost like an empty apartment, but with just a bunch of yeah. boxes in it. You've got you've got civil defense supplies like spam for days, mm-hmm. and fucking Roger is clearly excited about it. <laughs> Don't knock it; it's got its own key. Its own key, yeah. I mean, like he's he's eaten. He he wastes no time in smoking and eating. Like again, that must be Roger's way of processing the zombie apocalypse is just being like, when it's finally time for him to be at ease, he's just like, fuck it, I'm eating spam and smoking cigarettes and drinking Jack Daniels. Like Roger oh, yeah. gets down. He <laughs> parties. Man, he's like, you know what? We're in a mall now. I'm gonna go nuts. <laughs> Fuck your spam, bitch. (laughs) I don't like spam. Yeah, Yeah, she's all, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, they get that the beginning of the the mall saga begins. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then they, you know, I think, I think this might be a good place to segue into our third episode just because, you know, it kind of, it, the really, I think the second act of the film, the, I, I think that line of demarcation is in the subsequent scene where Peter and Roger, or excuse me, yeah, Peter and Roger, 
you know, open up the door, look at the landing, kind mm-hmm. of assess the situation. There's only one way up, you know, there's only one door we can block it off um, or, you know, we can block it off for, for Roger and, or for Steven and Francine and we can do the old hit and run right the hit downstairs. Run. Yeah. They have the whole discussion about, you know, let's, let's go check it out. You know, it's worth, it's worth checking out. And that kind of kicks off. I think the second, the really truly the second part of the, the second act of the film is, is that entire sort of, I, I guess that, yeah, the second, to me, the second part of the film is, is the mall saga right. um, and what happens in the mall. And I think that scene is kind of that line of demarcation there. Right. That's sort of the genesis of where everything progresses from within the mall. Yeah, exactly. Cause it really, truly, that's, they, they kind of in that moment, they sort of make the decision like, all right, let's check it out. There's a ton of good, you know, like in their minds, you, they don't have the ostensible conversation at that point, but in their minds they are thinking, man, this could be a good thing. Right. There's nobody else here. Presumably there's supplies. We could definitely survive here for a while at least. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think, I think we should lead off the next episode with the unfortunate the really the unfortunate second demise of a sweet, sweet Hare Krishna that was just looking for a place to call home in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I think I think you're right. His only accoutrement was his, were his robes and his tambourine that was uh, presented to him by the Dalai Lama, I believe. His, yeah, his Tibetan robes and his his and his his coke bottle glasses that seem oh man he was yeah i'm just gonna go out on the i'm gonna go out on a limb and say he was definitely sort of a caricature of what a harry krishna actually was like he was like a the boomer inter like a, a squares uh, a square boomer interpretation of what a hari krishna was in 1978 oh yeah man we know that george romero wasn't at at freaking, um, at freaking, uh, God damn it! What was that big concert in the '60s? Woodstock. Oh, yeah, we know he wasn't at Woodstock smoking grass with the other hippies, with his slanted, his slanted, uh, highly stereotypical caricature of a sweet Harry Krishna, just looking for God, looking for Vishnu, and yeah, some loving. It- it seems like somebody in the production crew was like, hey, you know, I was at an airport once and saw these guys wearing these robes, and they were like, let's make him a zombie. I think it was more likely like, hey, man, I got this stupid costume in my closet. <laughs> I got an idea. Let's put one of the zombies in. Yeah. It's it's good, though. I mean, we sort of, we established, there's a little world building there in that scene, actually, because we, we, we learn that zombies dislike fire yes um you know so that it's it's an important scene um it it follows suit from uh, night of the living dead where ben was using the i believe it was like a a table leg yeah yeah that he had wrapped up and lit on fire they were doing they were backing away from it 
Yeah, but if it's, you weren't like alive in the '60s to have seen the first film, you could easily like just assume that zombies don't give a shit about. For they give zero fucks when it comes to fire. Yeah, but you're reminded again. Yeah, it's it harkens back to me to those old those old monster movies where the like Frankenstein. Frankenstein, they show yeah. the fire, and he's like, oh, "Fire bad, ah. fire bad." Yeah. Yeah, that's a trope. That's yeah. got to be a trope. The fire it's definitely trope, a trope, but yeah. but yeah, I think I think this was a good discussion, and we're gonna we're gonna cap it here for now. We'll put a pin in it. We got so deep though, Jeff. We talked about oh. some deep stuff. This this was the deepest episode I've ever had, <laughs> dude. We we freestyled so hard. Oh, but you know what? I had so much fun doing it because I didn't. I looked at my notes here. And I'm looking at it going, this is basically just a word for word recount of what's going on. And we just just went off the cuff. Oh man. And I think it that worked makes out me, to our advantage. I'm I'm wondering, it makes me fear that we might have a part four in the works if we can't chug through all of it in part three. Then, I, you then, know, I I think with the mall, there are parts that we can streamline. Yeah. Especially then, in that you know, opening bit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make anybody listen to my awful voice for longer than they absolutely have to. Oh, please, please. Me, I listen me back opining. when I'm <laughs> Oh, please, I listen back when I'm editing, and I'm like, oh god, I sound like that. You're fine. You sound fine. <laughs> oh man, Jeff, people aren't gonna like. You know, maybe our our whole like segue into. Roman Polanski torture might turn off some listeners, you know what I mean? Or maybe it might turn on some listeners, which is equally disturbing, I think. Yeah, if if it turns you off, okay. Good. Hey, that's your call. More power to you. <laughs> no, no, wait. Have I mean, a good day. Yeah, if it turns you if it turns you off, then you might justifiably have a reason to be like, no, I don't want to listen to this. Right. If it turns, but if you, it turns on you on in some way, you need to seek professional help because you're yeah. pretty fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, and and if you start getting your jollies over the whole Roman Plansky tor- zombie torture fantasies that we express in this episode, you're Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> you might like a Zack Snyder film. You might be a Zack Snyder fan. <laughs> Go watch Army or City or Army of the Dead or whatever the hell the name of that movie is. I oh, watched it. It was pretty good. Yeah, it, was, it was fine. But then afterwards, I was like, I really spent two and a half hours watching this. Yeah, I felt like I just watched some really gross, like, <laughs> I have like some really gross porn or something. It was just like a really, um, yeah, it was just yeah. a distasteful. Yeah, there's, there's was, a prequel to it on there now called Army of Thieves god i mean it was just like it was like the whole idea like that that the zombie being pregnant thing just was weird it was like that's so left field but like what is up with him and like pregnant zombies and then there were zombie robots yeah what the what the hell i, I don't know well anyway he had way too many ideas for one film and who the I'm hell assuming is he no is? george romero 
Do you think no. he was going to remake Day of the Dead now and include all the shit that George Romero oh, wasn't God. able to do? Could you? Oh man, the world needs that, Jeff. No, the, no, the world, no. the no. world needs. No, Jeff, just hear me out. We got to pitch Zack Snyder. Zach, if you're listening, I know you're a fan. If you're listening, <laughs> hear, hear us out, okay? First, just Roman Polanski bad, okay? Not good. <laughs> Number two, get somehow get George Romero's original Day of the Dead script and make it happen for us, the fans. Do it. Do it. You've got CGI. You've got those really shitty cameras that you bought to film Army of the Dead that you thought were going to look cool, but just look grainy as shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> his, his trash pick cameras that he was geeking out so hard on them and somebody's like no zach these look like garbage like there's a reason why people shoot with really nice cameras because they don't look like shit but anyway reason guys like to use the red cameras because yeah clarity but hear me out zach and hear me out jeff day of the dead the original george romero script cgi Zack Snyder making it happen. What do you think? All right. If this were to happen, there is one person that I want to see cast as Captain Rhodes only because I think he could bring (laughs) some sort of new maniacal menace to it, and that's Michael Shannon. Uh, no, I no. We need to we need to flip the script on this. Captain Rhodes needs to be a woman. Ooh, Sarah Silverman. Oh shit, Sarah okay. Silverman as Captain Rhodes. What do you think? Oh, God damn. You that... think we could get Zach on board for this this remake? You know what? I'm gonna have my people call his people, and we'll see. Nice. I want 50% of I I won't even even, your side. There's no there's gonna be no upfront costs to you. I just I just want like 10% of the residuals, okay? I want that Keanu Reeves money. (laughs) Yeah, the only reason I was down on it is there is technically a remake of Day of the Dead out there. Yeah, oh god awful. That's stupid. It stars Nick Cannon. I mean, okay, Nick Cannon. I mean, that, we know that guy knows how to have kids. Um, is that the same Nick Cannon who has like 20 kids? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Same I mean, guy. It's, I heard the premise of it on an old podcast I listened to. And I was like, this sounds dumb. Because they were like, oh, they changed Bub to a guy named Bud who's in the military and he's a vegetarian. So he's going to be a vegetarian zombie. Like that does not work. It's just, it's inane. It's, I mean, maybe Zack Snyder was involved in that version of day of the dead. I don't know, but I, all I'm saying is, is let's get the original script. Cause remember George Romero had like an epic yet. It was day of the dead was going to be the, the freaking gone with the wind of of the zombie trilogy of the yeah. Romero trilogy, Dawn was just and, a setup for this huge thing that he had planned for Day of the Dead. Yeah, and, and they cut his budget. They're like, "Yeah, we're only going to give you like an eighth of what we were originally going to give you." 
So I'm just saying, let's get somebody on board. I mean, it doesn't have to be Zack Snyder, but I mean, he kind of already has one under his belt and, you know, George Romero isn't a zombie, so we can't get him on board, but with all the CGI, like maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> Zack Snyder could call Roman Polanski. Oh, and... <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, and right, I realize I, I'll stop. <laughs> and I realized just now I'm actually wrong. There are two. Yeah, it's remakes like of Day of the Day Dead. of the Dead Bloodlines, and then Day of the Dead yeah. something else. Yeah, they're yeah. both. And I saw them shit. both. Yeah, and they're that horrible. one Bloodlines yeah. has a zombie that is stalking a woman like everywhere she goes. Like <laughs> a horny zombie. Oh. Yeah, like he just keeps stalking her, and he's like learning. I'm like, okay. I bet you, you. First you, off, you want to know who was involved in that film, Jeff? You want to know who was involved in that film? Polanski and Zach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> Jesus. As a, a sexual oh, stalking man. zombie, dude. That tell me I'm not wrong on that. Oh, a zombie yeah. who literally wants to impregnate a woman. I, I can't argue against it. That's the problem. I'm telling you, it's gross, there's, but it's there's true. So, there's so little to that movie I remember. Yeah. Except that. It was just <laughs> terrible. Okay, we. I'm going to watch that, and we got to do an episode on that, all right? Oh, man. But yeah, I think we're freestyling a lot right now, and people probably yeah. don't want to hear our... <laughs> horrible banter so with just, that being said just don't dm me okay i don't want anybody <laughs> on facebook posting okay i have a good clean image on facebook send all of your email and all of your messages and whatever else to whomever's listening zach i know you're listening you can send, send them that to zach snyder at aol.com <laughs> no send them to jeff <laughs> At yeah, AOL.com. Okay? Actually, I think I think Zack Snyder might be like slow mo fan69 at hotmail.com. <laughs> he, no, he's definitely he's definitely like a Netscaper or something <laughs> like that, you know. For sure. That's Zach is definitely using Netscape. Or send all your hate mail to oh. Zach.snyder at netzero.com. <laughs> oh god, net zero. All right, all right, we gotta Alrighty. we gotta stop. All right, man. Okay. This has been fun. We will reconvene and discuss them all. And I guess from there, we'll figure out if this is going to be only a three-parter or if it's going to go into four parts. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't predict the future. <laughs> but before we end, I do want to thank you again for coming on and discussing this film. Yeah, hell yeah. This is a great time. We've got so many episodes oh, planned for the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna oh. we're gonna put them out there whether people want them or not. Like this is gonna be in your ear holes forever. Oh yeah, it definitely. My will. daughter, it's, once it's on the internet, it never goes away. Yeah, once my daughter, forty years from now, my daughter can hear her dad being an abs like just being an absolute a hole in her ears <laughs> for like, hours at a time. Like I can't believe you said this, Dad. I know. Either that like, or she's what? knowing if. She might have my sense of humor and, and, and just be laughing her ass off over this stuff. I don't know. 
That would be awesome if that happened. I'm not going to lie. But hey, this is going out to future Alice. I love you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, thanks again. And we'll be back soon for you guys to uh, assault your ears with more Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. It was fun. I'll talk to you soon. It was fun. Yep. Check out Skewered Universe podcast at the following links. Skeweredhead.com, Facebook.com slash groups slash Skewered Universe podcast, SkeweredUniverse.podbean.com, Twitter at SkeweredU, Instagram, Skewered underscore Universe. Email the show at SkeweredUniversePodcast at gmail.com, Patreon, Patreon.com slash SkeweredUniversePodcast. Join our Patreon, go to Patreon.com slash SkeweredUniversePodcast to get access to exclusive bonus content such as Skewered Universe transmissions and audio commentary tracks.